Hello and welcome to High Low with Amrata. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. And for anybody who is just tuning in, let me just tell you how this works. We have new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesdays, we have a guest come in. This week, we had Anita. Last week, we had Esther Perel. Please check out those episodes. On Thursdays, we do an Emrata Asks, which is this episode. It's a deep dive into a topic that's been on my mind, culturally relevant, or just something I've been thinking about. And we also, on Thursdays, have an exclusive subscriber-only talkback episode where I answer your questions and respond to your comments and audio notes. If you want to hear what you've been missing with that, use the free trial feature on Apple Podcasts to check it out. So today we are talking about the pill. Specifically, we are speaking to someone, um, host and reporter TJ Raphael of Cover Up the Pill Plot. This is a new podcast that has come out and it marries women's health, reproductive rights, and true crime. But I really wanted to have her on today to talk about the moment we're in right now and something you might not know about, which is that the abortion pill is um, under fire. There is a new case that will likely go to Supreme Court about the pill, the abortion pill, that will bring up a whole new um, opportunity for people to take away reproductive rights. So I want to get into that. Ever since the overturning of Roe v. Wade last year, I've wanted to bring someone on to talk about the history and facts behind abortion in our country. And now that we no longer have the nearly 50-year-old precedent recognizing the constitutional right to abortion, um, expanding access to safe abortion is more crucial than ever. So one way to do this, one key way to do this that you'll hear about just coming up after this break is by making medical abortion more easily accessible. So how do we get here and what do we do from here? After this break, we will come on with host and reporter TJ Raphael to talk about the evolution of the pill, the politics around it, both then and now, and the very fascinating story behind the battle to bring the abortion pill to America. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So first, I just want to give people a little bit of context. Can you talk about the research you did for Cover Up the Pill plot and what it's about? Yeah, so Cover Up the Pill Plot is a seven-episode podcast series about a little slice of history surrounding the abortion pill. And it's completely wild to me that more people don't know this story. It's it's a huge part of women's history. It's a huge part of American history. And the abortion pill is now used in more than half of all procedures in the United States, not surgery. And so it's a really vital medication. And how it got here, how it became legalized in the United States, 
is a wild story that sounds like it was ripped from an Ocean's Eleven flick. I and there's a Breaking Bad element. And I when I first started researching this story, I was like, wait, this is real. This actually happened. And I couldn't believe it. So um, after Roe v. Wade was overturned in June, I'm a journalist and I've been covering reproductive health for nearly a decade. And so I knew I wanted my next story to be about abortion. And I started looking into the history of the abortion pill. And I found that these women's rights activists in the early 90s, they wanted to bring the abortion pill here to America. So clinics were being attacked with arson, with bombing, uh, napalm attacks, and people were trying to find ways to make clinics safer. And they looked towards the abortion pill, because if you could remove the issue of abortion from the actual clinic, the building where it happened, and into the privacy of people's homes, you know, extremists couldn't protest every doctor's office in America. They couldn't go door to door to learn who was using an abortion pill. So yeah, these women's rights activists devised a plan that would bring the drug to America, but it it was pretty risky. Uh, The medication had actually been banned by George H.W. Bush. It was, you couldn't even bring it into the country for personal use if you had a small amount. And what year was this? So this was in uh, George H.W. Bush. One of the first things he did when he came into office in 1989, he issued this ban through the FDA saying, nobody can bring this drug in because Bush was not for abortion rights. So, uh, yeah, these women's rights activists are like, we need this medication. We're being attacked. So this guy named Larry Later, he actually is known as the father of the abortion rights movement. He, His um, book, which was just called Abortion, was cited in the Roe v. Wade decision eight times. Wow. And so he's this 72-year-old fancy pants Manhattanite. He lives on Fifth Avenue. You know, he could have just been this like rich guy donating to charities, but he was all in on abortion rights. So he devises this plan. He's like, I'm going to find a pregnant woman. I'm going to fly with her to London where the pill is legal. And then I'm going to get that pill, bring it back to the United States, intentionally alert customs, and then be stopped at JFK airport, which is like wild. I'm like, (laughs) again, feels like this story comes out of uh, an action movie. So yeah, he devises his plan. He's searching the country, trying to find a pregnant woman, because at this time in the early 90s, the pill can only be used through the end of the eighth week. It's a little bit different now, depending on where you live. But which is so early. As somebody who's been pregnant, I found out I was pregnant around that time. Right, exactly. So it's it's incredibly early. And so Larry starts scouring clinics, uh, calling feminist groups on college campuses, reaching out to people to see if he can find what he calls the Jane Roe for the 1990s, a woman that will sign up to do this. And in Oakland, California, right outside of San Francisco, he finds this woman. Her name is Leona Benton. She's 29 years old at the time. She's a punk, like a riot girl. And she's like, hell yeah, let's go take on the Supreme Court. Let's fight it. So with she at this point, she's about six weeks pregnant. Within 24 hours of signing up to do this, she boards a plane from San Francisco to New York, spends two nights in New York, then goes to London and then is stopped by customs. She's physically searched at JFK. Uh, Her medication is confiscated. And they take this and they ride this all the way to the Supreme Court to try to overturn this ban on the abortion pill. Ultimately, they fail. This ban stays and it stays in place until the year 2000. So this was in 1992. 
But Larry, on that trip, he had secretly squirreled away an extra dose of the abortion pill. He didn't tell anyone. He didn't tell his attorneys. Customs never found it. So he set up a secret laboratory in Westchester County, New York, hired Columbia University scientists to replicate the pill in secret. This lab had like the trappings of a CIA operation because they were concerned that it might be attacked. And he's able to do it. And that pill is used in clinical research trials that eventually help pave the way for the legalization of the abortion pill in America. Wow. (laughs) Right? It's an incredible story. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited to hear it. And we were just um, in our introduction talking about this kind of cool thing that you've done, marrying to true crime with this really important moment around reproductive rights. So I'm excited. What is a medication abortion? Yeah, so a medication abortion, it's typically done with two different uh, drugs. So mifepristone is what we call the abortion pill. And that pill stops hormones in your body from letting the fetus continue to develop. So basically, you take the pill, your brain says to your uterus, we're not going to you know, send the hormones and the nutrition that this fetus needs to continue to develop. So it stops the development of pregnancy. And then that's usually followed by another drug called misoprostol. And that makes you cramp. And basically, you take those two things together and you'll induce a miscarriage. And again, still the medication, even nowadays, I think it's only available up until about the 12th week because, you know, if your fetus is too developed, you, you need to go undergo surgery. But I think that's why um, something that was interesting to me in kind of reporting this story is like, reproductive rights activists say, you know, not many people are having like late term abortions. Like I think on the right, that's pointed to as a a lot. But if you look at the data, like nearly 60 percent of people who do have abortions take this medication. And that just shows that our people are doing it early and in the first trimester. But yeah, you kind of take this two drug cocktail. um, And for some people, they say it's just like a regular period, you know. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. In the year 2000, you mentioned this, the abortion pill was approved by the FDA. And in 2007, it was finally made legal in all states. 
roughly 20 years later, I'm curious if you can speak to how things have changed um, or have they changed? Yeah. So since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the abortion pill has really taken center stage. Again, for those reasons that we were just saying that, you know, most people do get the uh, abortions that way. And also in states where now abortion is completely illegal, I'm talking places like Mississippi, Alabama, um, for people who need an abortion and can't travel, getting a pill mailed to them allows them to take control of their reproductive health. And so it's come under fire because people who want to institute, you know, bans across the board realize that like this pill is a complete game changer. If you can do telemedicine, you can get it sent to you. I think in New York State, you know, the government has like legalized doctors doing telemedicine with patients in other states. And the state has said, we'll protect you from prosecution there. But um, the drug has come under fire. A group called Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, they sued to strip the pill of its FDA approval. The case went before a Trump-appointed judge, a guy named Matthew Kaczmarek. And he, in uh, you know the early spring in May and June, ruled that, yeah, we're going to take away this drug's FDA approval. One of the reasons he cited, he's like, the FDA rushed this through. And after my reporting, I'm like, no, it was literally 12 years of wow. trying to legalize this medication. And there were by the, the point by the point in time that the drug is actually legalized in the United States, hundreds of thousands of women and other people have taken it. But yeah, right now, the status of it is a, an appeals court is waiting to decide whether or not to let that ruling stand or reverse it. I think whatever the outcome that appeals court makes, either side, people who are against abortion, people who are for abortion rights, are going to appeal to the Supreme Court. So I think this fall, we're probably going to have a Supreme Court case on this. And by you know June next year, we'll have a ruling. And so this could affect you know people in like places where we think, oh, blue states, places that are safe, like New York, California, Colorado. Nope. If this medication goes away, abortion fully returns to the clinic, a place that we know is hit with protesters all the time. And there are so few clinics in so many places. I've, I've One of the things that shocked me the most about my research, and I'm sure you can kind of tell us more about this, is that in states like Texas, where there are a lot of there's a lot of poverty. There are um, a lot of teenage abortions. There aren't even that many clinics to, that they, you can have access to. And as far as like commuting to a clinic, that can be impossible in a place as big as Texas. You could talking about a five-hour drive. If you don't have the resources or someone who could drive you, um, and then not only now, once you get to that clinic, they you might be attacked. You don't know what the situation is going to be there. It makes um, access to abortion nearly impossible, right? Absolutely. I think 89% of American counties have no abortion provider at all, which is like most of the country. And I think in, in places like let's think about New York State. New York State is so huge geographically. Like if you're in, you know, rural New York State, you might have to drive 150 miles to get to a clinic. So the, again, why the abortion pill is so important, because any doctor can prescribe the abortion bill. You can go to your regular OBGYN and get it. So again, if this medication loses its FDA approval, we're in a, looking at a really grim future. Right. Because, yeah. of course, the new technology with telehealth and everything else, it's an amazing opportunity that could protect abortion. So that's, yeah, really, really scary. 
you were talking about the many stories and all the things that you researched and learned. I'm curious what else you learned about abortions and the pill while researching and reporting on this that you wanted to share on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think that this story really is a testament to the power of activism. I think a lot of people, especially women and other people who can get pregnant, um, feel really devastated right now um, that our like human rights are being taken away. And it feels like a really scary time. But I think what this short story shows is that change can take time. But if you work at it and you say, we're not going to give up, you can get it done. Like, you know, these people in, in 1992, when that woman, Leona Benton, lost her case, she knew that there was a slim chance of winning, but she still signed up to do it anyway. And then, you know, she might have lost, but people like Patricia Ireland, who was the president of the National Organization for Women, and Ellie Smeal, the president of the Feminist Majority, and this guy, Larry Later, of Abortion Rights Mobilization, they said, we're not going to take no for an answer, period. And so I think in this time that we're living in, it can feel, you know, like a big bummer right now. Um, to put I'm it- actually, I've, I'm teary eyed. I am on my period. But um, <laughs> I just feel so emotional because it does feel so hopeless. Um, and it feels so impossible to um, make these kind of moves. And especially like, I think women, you know, who don't, necessary that you just don't know how you could make a change so i think there's something so important about that story right now for people to hear that even when you know that there might be a some chance of getting the result you want the ideal result you still can be impactful mm-hmm. exactly and and it's about you know not giving up i mean if we look at you know the present moment People on the right, people who are against abortion, they didn't give up for 50 years to try to overturn Roe. And so we might have to stay at this and continue to work at it. But I think this story shows that it can pay off. It might just take some time. What scares you the most about today's political climate and the future of the pill abortion access in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) there are a lot of things that scare me. Um, I was actually like on Instagram before and I saw this clip of Rachel Maddow talking about like a state like Mississippi where, you know, abortion is already completely banned and the attorney general wants to empower the government to basically follow you out of state. So like, say you're a woman in Mississippi and you travel to Illinois to get an abortion. The government there wants to get your medical records and then prosecute you in Mississippi, which that just feels incredibly scary. Like, are we in Handmaid's Tale land? Like, um, and, and so that's kind of the the continuing um, extremism that we're seeing in, in terms of laws being passed. Um, that would be, you know, that's a fear for me. What are things that folks can do to now that will be impactful? Yeah, I would say, you know, donate to abortion funds. Um, Places like Planned Parenthood, of course, get lots of uh, donations and they're doing a lot of the lobbying. But uh, abortion funds are supporting that community in your clinic, that independent provider um, that's going to you know, help people get access. Um, and you don't have to donate a lot of money. It can be 20 bucks, you know, uh, $10. Um, I think also staying engaged and not allowing this issue to kind of slip by the back burner. Um, because I think when we take our eye off the ball as it relates to our own reproductive health and our rights, it allows people to come in and shift the playing field. So I think it's, you know, keep 
keeping yourself aware and then um, when you can donate and, and take action. I mean, uh, there are plenty of ways to volunteer um, and obviously vote too. That's important. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming thank in. For I'm very excited me. to hear the show. It sounds it's more timely than ever, obviously. Thank you again to DJ Raphael for sharing her time and insights that have been um, accumulated over the past few months while she's been working on this project. Cover Up the Pill Plot is out now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm very excited to listen to it. I want to hear what you all have to say about this episode and how these issues play into your own lives and experiences. We get all kinds of different people around the country who live in very different states um, and uh, environments politically, and I'd like to hear what your experiences around reproductive access and even specifically the pill have been like. Um, again, I do a third episode every week, Talk Back, where I take your voice notes and messages and play them on the show, answer your questions, respond to your comments. So you can leave your voice notes through hilo.fm or by calling our Hilo hotline at 42 Hilo 4. If you're listening through Spotify, feel free to weigh in through the Q&A feature in the app as well. Or go to hilo.fm to give me your thoughts on what we've talked about. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or at hilo.fm to listen every Thursday. And don't forget to join in on the conversation on social media using the hashtag Hilo. Thanks again, and we will see you all next week. Hilo with Imrata is a Sony Music Entertainment and Bitch Era Media production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, Matt Raz, and Sarita Wesley. Our showrunner is Matt Raz. Our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh.